We at Global Nomad Hacks are peace heroes. By playing Peace and Harmony program during this episode, we help create one million pockets of peace by dissolving stress and tension. To be your own peace hero and get your own copy, go to peaceandharmonydownload.com. Welcome back to Global Nomad Hacks. Today, I'm excited to introduce to you a new friend who I actually met through this bizarre but very popular new platform we're all discovering, Clubhouse. So Lauren Cohen is an international legal and real estate expert, but the reason I invited her onto this show is she's also a podcaster that talks a lot about global real estate, you know, investing and cross-border and all of the complications of that. And for us as global nomads, this is a really important and stressful topic. So I wanted to make sure that we you know, get some really good insights here and also just introduce you to a new friend. So welcome, Lauren. Hi, Heidi. Thank you. What I'd like to do is find a way to take that stress piece out of that puzzle. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we could all use a little bit of that these days. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in this space. Well, somebody dragged me kicking and screaming. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So I'm originally from Canada myself. I'm here in South Florida now. They call me the Canadian whisperer because I understand. I speak Canadian, eh? And I got into this space, oddly enough, because I was having trouble finding the right career path, being in Florida, not being licensed in Florida, being licensed in another state and still having my license, my law license, that is in Ontario, Canada, getting my real estate license, kind of navigating my way through some challenges and obstacles. And then I went on my honeymoon with my second husband to Thailand. I met him here in Florida, but Uh, He was originally from Canada, like myself, and little did I know that when we went on our honeymoon, he would not be let back into the country. So on the way back from our honeymoon on our return trip at Chicago O'Hare Airport, they said, your husband has gone like this with the up yours motion. And we're not on camera, so I have to say it. (laughs) Your husband has gone like this to the U.S. government one too many times. They literally said these words, and we're going like this right back to him. And I was like, what? Like, I I was completely floored. I mean, this is like, I don't even know what time. We'd been traveling from Thailand, lots of travel. Okay, it was exhausting. We had this pretty great honeymoon, I got to say. And then all of a sudden, they're taking him from me, and they're saying, you, you can go, but he can't. I'm like, what are you talking about? And they took him. They put him in immigration jail they sent me back they made him fly back to osaka japan which is where we had flown into the u.s from they didn't send him to toronto or montreal across the border they sent him back at his expense and they said sorry you're not admissible and they expeditiously removed him that's a removal then they deported him and they barred him from entry so here i am married now three weeks and my then husband was removed from the country. So I was like, what now? (laughs) So needless to say, that marriage was short-lived for a lot of reasons. That was not even the most, the biggest reason. It was not a good match at all. But I found my silver lining in the process. So through adversity, I always have been able to persevere, which I will do now. (laughs) And and, uh, that's an inside joke for Heidi. And (laughs) 
I was determined to find a way to get him back into the country. But instead of doing that, I was I found a new path for myself in immigration law. And I was committed and have been ever since to finding, figuring out a way to prevent others from suffering a similar fate. And that's what I've been doing ever since. And that's a huge issue and one that we don't talk about enough. I think I even have had a personal experience with that this past year during the lockdown. My husband is Swedish and his visa expired. So he was an illegal alien. And this was, you know, he used to have a green card, but when we moved back to Sweden, he had to surrender it. And then we came back to the U.S., what was it, eight years later, and he didn't go for the green card. He just went for a business visa because he was bringing his company here. And that expired because of the previous administration basically cut off all visas, including L1s. And so he hasn't been able to leave the country without, you know not being able to come back in. Right now, he's he's legal because he's put in his application for a new green card. But, you know, it can happen to anyone. We're not just talking right. about people that are sneaking across borders here. Right. And it completely disrupts families. It disrupts Absolutely. lives. It's, Nobody cares about that. I mean, that. my husband's business is both in Sweden and in the U.S., and he can't go back and forth. And fortunately, right. because everybody's in lockdown everywhere, it's not been that big of a deal this year. Because right. you've got to deal with it. You, you just have to deal with it. Everybody's on Zoom anyway. But right. had it been a different year, it would have been a very different circumstance. So 100%. I, I, mean, I, I feel for you on that one. Yeah. I mean, who, who used Zoom all the time 14 months ago? Yeah. You know, there were Zoom virgins all over the place that are now Zoom, like, not 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 virgins anymore. They're seasoned veterans, right? Now, I've been using Zoom or some iteration of Zoom for many years because I've worked globally. So I can't always meet my clients and haven't always wanted to meet my clients in person. I always charge more to meet them in person because then there's travel time. And it's just, you know, it, it's much easier to meet virtually. Well, now it's just the way to be. And for me, the other benefit or the positive side of COVID has been that I I am a single mom and I've always been, since my son was born, challenged in terms of being able to go places to speak. And now I'm not challenged because I can speak from my house no matter where they are in the world. And I've spoken, I mean, you name it, I've spoken at events all over the world in the past 14 months without leaving my home. And that's been a positive thing for me and many others that are not able to travel as easily or just needed to create relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And it's quite interesting. We actually moved during the last year within the U.S. But when we moved, we discovered that there's this whole new term in real estate called Zoomtown. So no longer Boomtown, it's Zoomtowns where people are moving because of quality of life. Mm-hmm. to places that are well-connected so that they can still do their work from Zoom, but they're choosing to move away from big cities. They're choosing right. to move away from these places that they didn't really love, but it's where their jobs were. I think you know we're going to see that much more on a global scale as things start to lift in terms of mobility and fluidity of movement. Have you seen a lot of that in your work, both from the legal perspective, but also from the real estate perspective? Yeah, both. 
actually. I mean, Florida is one of those meccas for all the people, especially from up north and New York City and so on. And the market here has gone completely crazy. I'm not a production agent. I'm a referral agent. So my real estate license is more of a passive means streams of income. And I'm also with a cloud-based real estate brokerage that allows me to have multiple streams of passive income called EXP. And it's been amazing and all of that. And it's global. So I use real estate as kind of a means to build something bigger for my clients and help them create a strategy and bring them with my partners that can help them implement it. But the market, it markets in places like Austin, okay, which has, you know, had some challenges lately, but like Austin. <laughs> Don't like move Florida. there to get warmth, right? Right, <laughs> exactly. Right so like places that are outside of those big cities, maybe mid-market cities that, like you said, may not have been so popular, but the quality of life may be better, are moving into those places because they want to get away from those big cities. And so we've seen, I mean, my son is in private school and we had four kids join his grade. There's only 30 kids in his whole grade. We had four new kids join over over the Christmas break. So that's a lot percentage wise. And that's just indicative of what's going on, I think, in Florida in general. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of changes happening in the real estate market and also globally because people are realizing people are like they're coming out of lockdown or they're, you know, in Canada, which is where I'm from. They're still in lockdown. Okay. And they're frustrated and they're done. They like a lot of people have lost businesses and it's a little bit crazy. I feel that they're, it's a little overkill whatever. In Florida, there's not enough kill. So, but the reality is that at the beginning of COVID, people were scared. They, you know, they went into lockdown mindset and now they're anxious to invest. And like in England, they want to get out so badly. We are seeing such an influx of people from London and England, all over England that are looking for jobs. They're not necessarily looking for businesses to invest in, but they're looking for jobs, which is a little harder. But The reality is that there's just so many opportunities and so many options available to people that are looking to invest in real estate across borders, set up their businesses across borders. Your husband, L1, you know, create an affiliate or subsidiary company in the U.S. Create that in another country, expand outside of the U.S., you know, both ways. I work with a, a couple of clients now that are developing businesses literally all over the world as far as Tasmania. I didn't even, you know, know anybody in Tasmania, but now I do. So it's really about, I think that this pandemic has opened our, our minds and the ability to do business over Zoom because we had no choice. But now we realize, okay, we had no choice. Now let's see what we can turn this into. And I, I you know, I, I was talking with my son this morning. I said something, I don't remember what it was. And he said, what's that? And I realized like these kids know nothing about the way that we did business 20 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, doing business on Zoom is the norm now. So, yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious, I mean, have you found that there's certain, I mean, I'm sure there's hot spots, but are there certain areas that have really stuck out to you in terms of sort of optimal places, both from an investment perspective, but also potentially for that are more friendly to like Greece and, and Portugal. Yeah, these Greece digital... for sure is one of them. Yeah, Turkey. They... Mm-hmm. So there are some countries like what I what I do, one of my focal points is getting visas through real estate or other business investment. Okay. 
And the visa that I prefer is the E2 visa, which I'm sure you've heard of, which is available to Swedish nationals, for example, but it's, it's based on treaty. So the E2 is a, is, is a treaty investor visa based on a substantial investment in a non-marginal business. But you have to be from a treaty country and not every country is a treaty country, okay? For example, Brazil, no. Venezuela, no. South Africa, no. India, no. China, no. Russia, no. So some of the really populous countries do not have access to this visa. So what they do is they can buy citizenship by investment in countries like um, uh, Turkey and Grenada, for example, and that then gives them a springboard to that E2 visa in the US because you get citizenship through investment. Now, another country that's very popular is Portugal. Portugal has something called a golden visa and EXP actually recently expanded into Portugal. My friend who's originally from Brazil, grew up in Toronto, took the company into Portugal and he loves it there. It's very safe. They've handled COVID pretty well. It's not a hard place to, to um, invest in. It's not a hard place to get used to. Most people speak English. So that's a place definitely, um, Singapore, Australia, you know, there's, there's mobility has become kind of the norm as opposed to the exception. And, you know, I want to be in Israel, which I will eventually, but I, you know, you also have to pave the way successfully and make sure that you have the ability to sustain yourself when you get to that country. Um, in over until COVID, I spent my summers in Israel. God willing, this year I'll do that as well after I get home to my family in Toronto that I haven't seen for 15 months and counting. Wow. I mean, that's a, that, that's a long time, but I think that in, uh, in the perspective of what the opportunities are, it's really quite incredible to see that, you know, it's really, you have to look at this bigger perspective of, you know, the systems perspective of the whole world and how that mobility occurs. But for how many, you know, for a lot of people, this may not be accessible, but what is sort of the general price point, if you will, that, you know, that people have to have for a minimum investment to be able to even start a process like that? Yeah. So the answer is, it depends. Isn't that a great lawyer answer? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Thanks. Sorry, Can I be more specific? <laughs> so it does depend. And each, so in this, for example, in the E2 space, okay, the substantiality of the investment depends on the type of business. So if you're setting up, let's say, a podcasting business, for example, which a lot of people do these days, you know, a lot of people monetize their podcasts, certainly a lot better than I do, but I, I have fun doing it anyway. So let's say you're setting up a podcast business. The substantial investment in a podcast business is going to be way less than the substantial investment in a real estate business or a manufacturing business. Because real estate, you're getting a tangible asset. So the government looks much more critically at that because you then know that you're having some kind of return on your investment kind of almost inherently, right? And by the way, I just got off the phone with a friend, a new friend in Toronto, which is where I'm from. And I sold my condo just to talk about real estate investing. I sold my condo that I bought, a stacked townhouse in downtown Toronto in 2001 maybe 2002 and I bought it for maybe 200, 300,000. I sold it. Maybe I made a hundred thousand. If I had that property today, it would be almost $2 million. Yeah. 
a stacked townhouse because it was in downtown Toronto. So she's like, you really should be upset. I'm like, that's great. Makes me feel great. Thank you so much. So it just goes to show you real estate is a tangible asset. So I usually say if you're investing in real estate, you need to have out of pocket 150 to 200,000 out of pocket. And then your investment should be around 750 to a million total. You can uh, raise financing for the balance, have mortgages, joint venture, as long as you own 50%, so on. For non-real estate, for a service business, it could be more like 80 or 90,000 with a very strong business plan. My average guide in my book, Finding Your Silver Lining in the Business Immigration Process, is generally the guide is about 100 plus expenses Mm -hmm. because you don't want to have marginality in your business. So when you get here, the last thing you want to do is have a business that is just supporting yourself and your family. That's going to fail every day of the week. You may get your visa, but you'll never get a renewal. Gotcha. Yeah, no, and that's so important. And I, I want to point out to those of you listening that that book will be in the hacks section of our new power hacks and resources space on globalnomadhacks.com. So don't worry about any of the resources that we mention on the show. They'll be in there and we'll make sure that we get all of Lauren's resources because she's got a lot of really great ones Thank from you. the book to, um, I think you're doing some webinars and some, yeah, you know, some, some, some lots some of other different books. things. So anyway, we'll make sure that you have access to that. So don't try to write it down, particularly if you're driving right now. So anyway, so hundred is a minimum investment. That's, you know, fairly substantial for some people, for others, it's like a drop in the bucket. It's, you know, so I think that, you know, it is, you know, when we, when we have this conversation about global nomads, some people do it as sort of a stopgap, as sort of like, I'm going to be a nomad for a little while, and then I'm going to go back to life as it was, which as we all know, there's no such thing as going back to what we thought was life as it was. I the mean, future think is about different. it, Heidi, like, really, even if you get the vaccine, okay, and I don't have yet but even if you get it whether you believe in it or not i don't care we're not getting into politics but i don't think for me i'm not walking anywhere without a mask it's just i i just it's kind of my new normal unfortunately and i think that it's going to be that way for a while oh absolutely that changes the way we do business because we're not going to coffee shops you know i there's a coffee shop nearby where i used to go and do 90% of my meetings, I would do them there. I never, ha- I haven't had an office in five years. I didn't need one. I have a little corner in this coffee shop. It's in the second floor of a hotel. It's not a Starbucks. They know me super well. I went there for the first time about a month ago to meet my financial advisor. We sat across from each other. We talked, whatever. It was nice to be there because it's my, it's my place, right? But while I'm there, I'm, I'm like, you know, looking like, people are there and you just don't know and it's just not worth it because even with the vaccine right now there's so much risk out there it's just like what's the point I don't love working from home all the time I like being social but I don't think we're ever going to be back to I'm not I don't feel like I'm ever going to be back to where I was before I just don't see it well and I don't think that necessarily it needs to I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I think about like you were saying as a single mom and the work that you do with international communities and, you know, your ability that the, the, what you're talking about is so relevant to international communities and you need to be able to speak and reach audiences around the globe. And yet 
the capacity to be able to travel, the, um, you know, there's the cost, there's the sustainability aspect. Oh, yeah, and the cost too, for the, sure. You know, the, you know, the emotional cost, the climate cost, the, you know, the time and uh, time and energy it takes away from your family, from your ability, your productivity, all of these different things. I think we're just going to become much more selective about those things that we choose to take the time to go to. And maybe we'll go for longer periods so that we get you know, sort of really that high value experience each time we do. And otherwise we'll find hybrid models. And yeah, so I think, hybrid is great, I think yeah, yeah, so I think that, you know, one, one thing that I think is fascinating and Monica, who we are mutually friends with, we've talked a lot about this in, in terms of real estate and sort of the demands of, of connectivity in new areas. And we talked, we touched on this a little bit in sort of the zoom town concept, but sort of the demands for, you know, improved connectivity and the ability to be able to actually have fluid connections so that maybe, you know, right now we're doing it over Zoom. Hopefully sometime in the next, in the very near future, we'll be able to do this in a, you know, whether it's a holograph or whether it's augmented reality, you know, where you feel like you're physically there and you can engage with people in a different way. So you have sort of that serendipitous interaction that you don't get with a, with a zoom conversation or zoom conference. I think we're going to see more and more of that. And it's really boosting innovation, which also means that we're going to need to have zoom optimized rooms in, in new developments. You know, when you're developing new real estate, you need to have spaces that will accommodate sound control, light control, all of these different things. And so that really impacts that ability to be fluid because some places don't have the connectivity yet. And whereas other places are highly connected and that's not necessarily, you don't have to necessarily be in a city for that. It's just some places have more, they're more prepared. Yeah. It's so true. It's funny. Like, let's talk about a place like Israel, for example. Okay. I don't know if you've ever been, but Israel is a very, very, very technologically advanced place. Okay. I mean, it's called Startup Nation for a reason because half of the technology startups, not half, but pro rata, come from Israel. It's a very advanced place. Now, obviously, I'm a Zionist and I'm a big Israel proponent. And so that comes through whenever I talk, as you can hear. They have handled this whole thing so well. Because they are and always have been, they were used to doing business with the U.S., okay? So they're used to crossing borders and all of this. People in the U.S., I think, had less success in creating those strategies for success because they weren't used to doing things without physically being there. And now people had to pivot. And um, at the beginning of COVID, I was helping people get access to some of the funding that was out there because I was pivoting. I wasn't, you know, people weren't immigrating. It wasn't like the top number one thing. Oh, let's sign a document and pay Lauren lots of money to help us immigrate to the U.S. or wherever because they're not going anywhere. So I had a lot of big contracts that fell apart. Anyway, to make a long story short, the, the ability to adjust and pivot has led to a lot of people that were, say, event producers, trade show producers, running events, doing events cross borders. Now they're doing events cross borders virtually, but they're, everybody does want to get back out there. Like most people, I mean, just to see people, just to be 
even if you're separated, at least to see people. And, you know, on my podcast, a lot of my guests would talk about the one, what's the one thing you would say you miss the most about in-person meetings? Would you say, Heidi? I would say my peeps. I miss the hugs. I miss meeting with the my hugs. friends. That's it. The <laughs> hugs. It's the hugs. Because right now there's no hugs. You know, I saw kids getting on the school bus this morning. They go the fist pump. That's what you're doing. Fist pump. You don't, you know, even, I'm sure that there's some people I'd say, you know, it's, forget about it. I'll just hug you. But that's the thing that's missing is hugs. And hugs are what gives people joy in every day of their lives, right? And even if you have a partner, it's great, but that's not the only hug you want. And it's a big deal. And so those are, that's something you can never get on Zoom, no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, it's interesting. I remember back when I was doing my dissertation research on wearables and one of the companies that had done sort of the original, you know, the first wearable, I think it was actually a company out of Israel, made this shirt that had all these sensors in it. And it basically, you could yes. send a virtual hug to someone oh. where it would, it would sort of like, you know, I don't think it, I don't even remember whether it was through a... Um, an app or anyway, you could send someone that was wearing this shirt a hug and it would sort of contract so that you felt this hug. And it was, I mean, it was a total novel idea, but I mean, in a way it's kind of a shame that that didn't, you know, that company didn't survive and, and, uh, because it wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right time. I mean, we were talking 10 years ago now and, but it was, you know, it was a very novel concept. It was like, how can you send these, you know, virtual interactions. But it is absolutely that. I mean, my mother lives by herself. We moved, we fortunately, we drove across the country last summer to help her move into a senior community. And it was the best thing we ever did because she was living by herself in her mm -hmm. own home. And she had mm -hmm. not had physical contact with right. anyone for seven right. months. And when we got there, we all got tested and we sort of merged our pod. And I remember so clearly the first day that we were able to give her a hug and it was just this release that was so incredible. And of course, you know, we spent the next seven weeks together and there was a lot of hugs. My husband started referring it to it as a gram witch where my, we'd put my mom in the center <laughs> and the two of us would, would hug her from either side. But it's you know, there is something really powerful about that. And, but it is a very cultural thing, too. So I guess, for some people, maybe a fist bump is a little more comfortable, but at least it's, a, there is still that physical contact. And I, I think that we all could use a little bit more of that. So hopefully, that's something mm -hmm. we'll get to before, even before the fluidity of travel. So I want to I want to make sure that we cover a little bit on the stuff that you're actually working on right now because you've got your book. You've, I think you have two books. Is that am I correct? Well, the, the so the book was actually published a couple of years ago. Okay. The e-books are current. Okay. And my signature program is called How to Immigrate Through Real Estate, and we also teach how to invest in real estate across borders. So if you want to learn how to invest in real estate across borders or potentially how to immigrate through real estate. I would love to help. That's what I do every day of the week. And I, I love helping create strategies for real estate investing subject twos and so on. Well, I think that's so awesome. And it's such a valuable resource for a lot of us out there. And I look forward to uh, sharing you with our listeners and with our network extended network, because I think it's a really valuable resource and, and it is something that, you know, 
maybe people don't talk about enough and some of the challenges. Maybe you've been working as an expat and you've fallen in love with where you are and then your contract ends and you want to stay. There's, you know, a lot of different things that come up that we, you know, maybe don't touch on enough. So it sounds like you've been, you know, what you're providing is a really great resource. So thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Thank you. There's one other thing I'd like to add. And this is that a lot of people, especially those that are investing in the U.S. or setting up a business in the U.S., do it just kind of haphazardly without the right guidance, without any strategy. And what happens is it comes back to bite them later. But it's not until the later that they realize how invaluable the guidance is at the get-go, from the get-go. And what I'm here to do is show you that for a small fraction of what you'll pay later, we can get you set up properly so that you can be successful and focus on what you do best and stay in your lane, my four favorite words, to be successful in your business. That's what you want to do. You don't want to be held back by tax issues or legal issues or so on. So, Yeah, such great advice. And I think, you know, so many people really should listen and reach out to you. And I guess you're also on Clubhouse and having conversations out there so folks can find you there. And then, of course, it's Investing Across Borders is your podcast. So folks should actually go uh, take a moment and and, um, subscribe to your podcast so they can hear all the great advice. And you probably have some really great guests on there, too, that have different perspectives. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been really, really interesting and exciting for me. I, I love hearing more about it from a different angle. And it's really nice to get to know you and your work a little bit more as we move along. So thank you for joining us today, Lauren. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. It's been such a pleasure to spend this moment with you today. And I really appreciate and honor you. And I hope you all are well and safe. If you enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. And that rating and review is absolutely important and so appreciated. And if you let us know, we will send you a little love back. So thank you so much for joining us today. And we look forward to next time. Bye bye for now. Thank you. Bye.